morning. It's great to be with you at Online Church again. My name is Laura and I'm really looking forward to bringing you the message today with the theme, Scarcity to Abundance. Some of you will have done some fasting in your life where you've given up a certain type of food or pleasure to draw near to God. I did the ration challenge for two years and this involved living on rice, kidney beans, chickpeas and stock, I think it was, for a week. And it was to raise money for the Syrian refugees who just had that as their main form of food in their lives to help us enter into what their experience was like. I can still vividly remember what it was like just eating rice with kidney beans and how much I missed the abundance that I had in my pantry. I remember going to the supermarket and seeing all the shelves filled with delicious food and thinking, oh, if only I could have that, if only I could have pasta, if only I could have bread, if only I could have fruit. Such a contrast I found that experience living on barely anything to what I'm normally used to. Yet as with all moments of fasting and challenges like that, it gave me a perspective that I couldn't have had otherwise. Today we are going to look at this idea of scarcity and abundant living in the kingdom of God. I've got a few descriptors to help us understand a little bit of what scarcity mindset looks like compared to an abundance mindset and what that looks like. So scarcity, um, as you'll see on the screen, um, the idea there is never enough compared to abundance, where there is always room, always more where that came from. Scarcity is being stingy with knowledge, contacts and compassion, so withholding. Abundance is being happy to share knowledge, contacts and compassion. Being stingy is defaulting to suspicion and being hard to build rapport with people compared to um, building trust easily. From resenting competition, making the pie smaller than seem weaker, compared to welcoming competitors, making the pie larger than stronger. Asking self, how can I get by with less than expected, compared to how can I give more than expected? From being pessimistic about the future, to being optimistic about the future, where the best is yet to come. From thinking small and avoiding risk, to embracing big risk, from being entitled and fearful to being thankful and competent, or confident, and competent maybe. For those of you who are visual learners, this next picture has it in a bit of a um, picture form for you. And the idea around this idea of scarcity and abundance is around the lens that we have with how we view our life, with how we um, look at things and how we look at what we have and what we don't have and how that impacts us. When I did Arrow Leadership, um, which is a really great course, um, we did a session on hiring people. And one really vivid thing I remember the lecturer talking about was when you are hiring people in a church or organisation, it's good to look and see, is the person a taker or a giver? Will they want to do the bare minimum of just what's expected? Will they... Um, want what's good for them, will they be entitled or will they be generous with what they have? And I'd love us to enter into this headspace today as we think about um, our lives and where we find ourselves having a scarcity mindset and where we have a 
find ourselves having an abundance mindset. And we're going to look at Exodus today where we see um, Pharaoh and the Israelites experiencing a bit of a scarcity mindset of what they don't have or what they want to get compared to um, what God is calling us and who God is, God the giver, the giver of life, of breath, of all that we have, the one who is generous and abundant. So as we come to our passage today, we are post to the exodus of Egypt. The Israelites are freed from slavery. Woohoo! You're expecting a happy story, right? After years of oppression, they're finally free. And maybe they thought too it was going to be all wonderful. Maybe they hoped to go from slavery straight to the abundant promised land and not have any hardship anymore. Now, as we know of God... God is always up to something in the transitions, in the middle part. And today we're coming into the time where the Israelites are in their own wilderness, uh, in a time of unknown, the time of unclear terrain, a time of change where God invites them to trust him. The abundant God, El Shaddai, God Almighty of blessing of sufficiency, The Israelites worshipped God as the source of blessings, of fertility, of planting, of pasture flocks, of being the sustainer, the giver, the provider. And so this passage that we're about to enter into shows their wrestle with that. We see um, them wanting to go back to life in Egypt where things seem better and their struggle and wrestle and opportunity to try and trust God in the midst of that. And as we read this passage, I don't want us to read it separate going, oh, the Israelites, you know, they this, they didn't trust God. Because I imagine we all find ourselves relating to them. And we all find ourselves sometimes with the scarcity mindset creeping into our lives, where we are wanting to maybe withhold from others, where we maybe want to provide for ourselves, where we may be suspicious, happy when others fail. We feel entitled that we should get the best, that we deserve better. I know I often find myself with this mindset, with this lens of what I don't have or if my ideas aren't recognised, that desire to want to be. And we see Pharaoh at the polar opposite end to God. Pharaoh, the one of scarcity. He had the monopoly of resources. He was accumulating money, land, food, grain, people to work for him. And he resorted to violence and oppression of the Israelites, which is in a big comparison to God who is the God of blessing, generosity, and the giver of life. So the passage we're about to read in the wilderness, which is what we're looking at at the moment as a church of how to navigate wilderness seasons and how others have done it before us. They are coming with a mixed mindset of wanting the past, even though, as we know, the good old days aren't always the good old days, and they're wrestling with how to trust God. So as we come to Exodus chapter 16, I invite you to ask the question that Michael often asks when he preaches. How does this passage read you? How does this story read you today? What is our lens and how are we viewing ourselves in this story? Exodus chapter 16 verses 1 to 35. It's a bit of a long one, so strap yourself in. It's going to be a good read. The whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. 
The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat round pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare whatever they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of God, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked out towards the desert. And there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who had gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of this until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until the morning, but it was filled with maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest. Woohoo! A holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded. And it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day of the Sabbath there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. The people of Israel called the bread manna. It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. Mm-mm. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come so they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it then place it before the Lord to be kept for generations to come. 
as the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna in with the tablets of the covenant of the law that it might be preserved. The Israelites ate manna for 40 years until they came to the land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. Wow. Our first word for today is perspective. Now, I happen to have three words with P. Again, that wasn't intentional. In this story, it was a month after liberation in the desert. The Israelites want to go back to Egypt rather than be hungry. So gracious God responds with bread raining down. Moses said, this will remind them it is God who gives them meat to eat and bread to eat to see his glory. This is a whole story of that wrestle of trying to trust God and believe that he is who he says he is, God the provider, whilst they also are wanting to go back again to Egypt. I wonder when there has been a time of preparation for you, a time maybe before an exam, leading up to a new job, maybe leading up to surgery, maybe marriage preparation. As some of you will know, Sam and I are in this time preparing for parenting. We're buying some things, we're reading some books, we're praying, we're talking about, you know, what have we appreciated from our parents? What sort of parents do we hope to be? What sort of character do we hope we can raise our kids with? How can we raise them in faith? The excitement of setting up the baby's room. There's so much that we are excited in this preparation time. We're just over halfway. Woohoo! And there's also an interesting part where we don't know exactly what to expect fully. And people keep saying to us, your whole life is going to change. And so we are preparing for what we can in the ways we can, yet knowing that the next part of this wonderful time in our lives um, will be different and we will have to wait and see. God was preparing the Israelites for their future liberation. The plagues, the calls to pharaohs, leading them through the Red Sea, all of that was preparing them to go into the next season of their life, the next season of their identity as God's people. In Exodus 3 at the burning bush, we gain God's heart for the Israelites how he was preparing Moses to deliver them. He said, I am concerned about their suffering. I've come down to rescue them from the Egyptians and bring them into good and spacious land. In Exodus 19, it describes God bringing the Israelites out of Egypt like an eagle carrying its tired young on his wings. There is a real time of providence, of timely divine care that we see God um, doing in this time in the wilderness for the Israelites. I wonder, as we hear this passage today, how does it read us? Where do we sometimes forget the promises of God, like the Israelites did? They were grumbling and hungry, which you imagine we would be too. They were trying to trust that God, who, was his, who he said he was, yet they also had the mindset of what we don't have and what we want. Where do we find ourselves like this? Where do we find ourselves forgetting the promises of God, that I am with you always, that I would take care of you like I do the birds, that I am doing something new? Where do we miss what God is up to now because we want the past again or we want the future? We've been talking about what we're going to pack in our backpack, our tool kit for this time of wilderness. It's not quite a backpack, but it's a shopping bag. The first thing I want to add to it today um, with perspective is the sunglasses. When we think about what lens we have, how we are seeing our lives with what we have or what we don't have. Do we have a scarcity mindset or do we have an abundant mindset that we have what we need 
and that God will provide. So we need sunnies for a trip because we also want to be shielded from the sun and heat. How are we seeing things we can be grateful for? The next word, oops, provision. This time in isolation has called for a whole new dependence on God physically. In the Western countries, we often don't need to rely on God physically. We can usually get all that we need ourselves. Yet this time has called for us to have a new surrender and a reminder that we live in the provision of God. So the Israelites saw this manna and they said, what is this, these thin flakes on the desert floor? And we can see some parallels to the bread metaphor here with Jesus' time on earth. Jesus called himself the bread of life, the living bread in John 6. The idea that he is all we need, that he is our basic provision, but he is also the staple for what we need to live our lives well. Quail was a natural seasonal event in Sinai and became the staple later. Yet in this passage, we see that the manna becomes the daily miraculous provision that God gives for this season of 40 years for the Israelites before they get to Canaan. The Israelites were receiving an abundance from God, an overflow of his generosity, of his sustaining power without realising it right in front of them. I wonder how often I go throughout my day relying on my schedule, relying on people, relying on plans, relying on the future, rather than Jesus as the bread of life. How often I look at what I wish I had and could have without seeing what I have already. God's response to the Israelites' discontentment and grumbling is like Jesus responding to the agitated disciples and the hungry crowds. He blesses and breaks bread and feeds the thousands. God here responded graciously and straight away with manna. The Pharaoh in us tells us to fend for ourselves and leads us to believe that we can supply all we need. Jesus reminds us that he broke the bread in the last supper, his life given for us. We are often so bombarded by things that we need. On Instagram at the moment, my feed is filled with baby things because I've been searching it and it's so tempting and I want to just look at stuff and buy the best for me. What leads us to excess is the fear that we won't have enough for our lives or that we need something else. And this could be called manna insurance rather than looking to the giver of life for all our needs. God sustains life for the Israelites with Sabbath too in this wilderness. This gift from God to stop and have a contrast to the six days before and to follow God's rhythm of creating, completing and resting. That's God's style of work and rest, creating, completing and resting. I wonder for those of you who are working from home at the moment how we're going with that. There's some articles and research around our lines can be a bit more blurry at the moment because we're working from home and work's always there. Plus we're also wanting to be loyal to our workplace and so sometimes we're overworking. Maybe there are some of you who aren't working at the moment and I wonder what other form of work you are finding at the moment, whether it's gardening, creating something new. This Sabbath gives us a gift from God to rest from working and to celebrate his goodness. And I love Sabbath with good food. So the next thing for our bag is the bread for provision. That God gives us all we need 
and is the sustainer for our trip in the wilderness. The last word is patience. The Israelites were in the desert for 40 years. That is a long time. For those of you who are older than 40, if you look back over the past 40 years, I imagine that would feel like a long time. I imagine if we were there, we would be wanting to to either go back or go ahead. Yet my question for us today is, what is God up to in the in-between times? I know for me in this period, I've really enjoyed reading a bit more. I've enjoyed walking a bit more. I've enjoyed reading the Psalms. I've enjoyed an appreciation for family and friends and for Sam. I wonder what it is for you. What is God up to? In the Israelites' disappointment of finding themselves in the wilderness with a beating hot sun on them, we can almost see that our mind and memory can play tricks on us when we're in places um, of uncertainty. Egypt suddenly went from being a place of despair and slavery and death into some kind of caravan park or resort, maybe like the Inverloch RACV Resort. That's a great place. (laughs) It's funny how we can look back longingly and look forward anxiously, and sometimes we miss this in-between time. And when we're fearful and anxious about it, it can disable our trust in God. We are all spending time in a wilderness of some sort, And I wonder if in the wilderness sometimes God can seem really far away and at other times God can seem really close at hand, like the eagle with his feathers around us. So I wonder for you, what is God up to right now? Are we waiting for things to go back to what they were or are we looking for new possibilities now and the future? What can we learn in the wilderness? Patience. Um, Something I was meant to add into here and bring, but I didn't, was a watch. If you have a watch, pretend like you're putting it in my bag for me. There is a watch appearing right now. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Thank you, Sam. A watch for our toolkit. A reminder not to want to get through the minutes and hours really quick ask what is God up to in this time so these three words I wonder which one is speaking to you most today and what God wants to say to you is it around perspective of our lens are we looking at how much we don't have with a scarcity mindset or are we able to start to see how much we do have from the God who is the provider Is it for you around provision? Is it maybe that question of how do we remember that God is our sustainer in this time? And maybe it's every time we eat bread that reminds us that God gives us what we need. Or is it for you around patience? Patience is a really hard one. In 1 Corinthians 13, it starts with love is patient. Maybe it was one of the hardest ones. Maybe that's why it's at the start. Patience. What can I learn about God in this season right now? It's not going to be 40 years, thank goodness. I think we've already had 40 days. What is God up to in this? Perspective, provision and patience. Shall we pray? Father, Son and Holy Spirit, we come to you today 
grateful for your living, breathing word. We know that the Bible is not just this ancient, dusty book, but is an ancient text that speaks alive and afresh to us today through you, Holy Spirit. I thank you that you are a God who says you want to draw people close to you. You want to cover them with the feathers of your wings. You want to carry us through. You are always promising that you are with us. And we see in the Israelites' journey ourselves in that, the wrestle of wanting the past, trying to trust you in the present and with the future. So God, we ask for your help and guidance that you would give us a kingdom perspective of an abundance mindset, that you would give us um, a reminder of your provision as we eat our daily bread, our three square meals. We know that we have what we need from you. And we ask for your help with patience for those who are at home and really struggling with being at home and without the usual places and people to see. We ask God that you would meet them right now, that you would minister to them, that you would fill them with your presence and help them with patience in this time, knowing it won't be forever, yet they are needing you as their rock and refuge in this time. We pray that you would fill them right now, Holy Spirit, that they would know you are present. We thank you, God, that you are the giver of breath, the sustainer, the generous, gracious God who gives us so much every day to be thankful for. We thank you for that now and pray that as we go with those who we eat, laugh, work with or stay at home with, that you would bless us and keep us and keep revealing who you are to us and may we have the lens to see you at work of what you are doing right now in the wilderness. We thank you, God, that you are our hope, our rock, our past, present, future, beginning and end and everything in between. Amen.